morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It's 9.16 a.m. November the 29th, 2018, and this is episode 42 of Bitcoin And. And let's just jump right into the morning roundup. Uh, there's quite a bit of stuff going on today. and I mean, you know, we uh, we have some sell pressure going on on uh, Bitcoin. It's still positive by half a point, but, you know, or half a percent. But, you know, it is what it is. There was bound to be some sell pressure. So let's start this thing off with something, a uh, story that is not Bitcoin related directly, but then indirectly it is. If you haven't heard by now, Deutsche Bank got raided in Frankfurt. Uh, they had they tweeted out the, about five hours ago. It is true that the police is currently conducting an investigation at a number of our offices in Germany. The investigation has to do with the Panama Papers case. More details will be communicated as soon as these become known. We are cooperating fully with the authorities. All right, so yeah, this is this is money laundering. Uh, we'll get into it for it. Uh, into that in a second, but uh, Bloomberg Markets has a, uh, or, or I'm sorry, uh, Daniel uh, at CSU Wildcat uh, has tweeted out a uh, or retweeted a Bloomberg Markets tweet that says Deutsche Bank shares plunge as Frankfurt prosecutors search headquarters in money laundering pl- probe, uh, and it's he's you know it shows this graph. That just shows like this, this steep, you know, a pretty steep decline in the price of the share price of Deutsche Bank, and it's gone from, oh, uh, let's see, it looks like it's lost five point four three percent at the time that that tweet was done, which was, oh, I don't know, let's see, three uh, eighteen a.m. Uh, this morning is when they did that that tweet. Okay, so <clears throat> anyway. So, but Daniel's got a really, uh, a really, he's got a good take on it. If this was about Bitcoin, salty narrative zombie reports would be declaring this conclusive proof it's pure evil and nothing like it should be allowed to exist. But it's a bank. So they write a benign event log, say it needs new blood and hope it does better in the future. And Daniel couldn't be more correct. If that graph was about Bitcoin, Uh, what he said is exactly what would have happened and is exactly what does happen every single time, but it's a bank. So it's okay. Right. Right. All right. So let's, uh, let's dive into this thing a little bit. Bloomberg reporting and yeah, Deutsche Bank raided and laundering probe that extends into 2018. And the activities of Deutsche Bank AG that prompted a police raid on its headquarters took place as recently as this year, according to authorities. 
While money laundering suspicions stem from the 2016 disclosures known as the Panama Papers, the investigation covers the five-year period from 2013 to 2018. A spokesperson for Frankfurt prosecutor said, <clears throat> the, oh, sorry, a spokeswoman from Frankfurt prosecutors said, the main suspects were two bank employees who were not identified beyond their ages, 50 and 46. Authorities seized documents and electronic files after more than six police vehicles, blue lights flashing, pulled up to Deutsche Bank's main offices shortly before 9 a.m. in an operation involving about 170 officers. How in the hell do you fit 170 officers into six police vehicles? How big are these vehicles? All right, anyway, uh, this report is written by uh, Karen Matusik, Nicholas Comfort, and Jan Patrick Barnart. And so I'll, I'll have it linked, and I'll have it linked uh, in my uh, curated Twitter timeline if you want to go on uh, about it. But, you know, that's kind of funny that they pulled up at like open of business so that everybody and their dog could see Deutsche Bank getting, getting raided by the damn police. Uh, but it just goes, to, it just goes to show that, you know, these people have been engaged in, and not just Deutsche Bank. This is going to be, you know, like Bank of America, Deutsche Bank, Wells Fargo. They're all doing it. I mean, they're all doing it. And once, you know, if they're out money laundering, they're scamming or, you know, something like that. In either event, I, you know, well, buy Bitcoin, not investment advice. Moving on up the, uh, moving on up the chain, <clears throat> I've got a tweet that I did a couple of hours ago, which is um, <sighs> tweeting a picture of this ridiculous, ridiculous story that uh, came out in, uh, oh God, PBS NewsHour. And uh, it's the, the headline, and this is by Paul Solman, why a Nobel laureate in economics thinks Bitcoin is toast. And that was uh, written yesterday afternoon. Um, I'm not. I'm. I'm not even going to read it because my tweet says, and another Nobel laureate chimes in. I swear the at Nobel Prize group is losing their credibility at an ever increasing rate. Hat tip Bitcoin. <clears throat> sorry, hat tip at Bitcoin Airlog uh, because he is the one that that uh, uh, brought this to uh, that. He is the first one that brought it to my attention anyway. So uh, I want to thank John for uh, for that. Um, you know, like no, uh, Noriel Rubini is a Nobel laureate too, if I, if I remember correctly, and uh, several other uh, Nobel laureate economists, whatever the hell that actually means, um, have come out to, you know, over the years uh, saying Bitcoin's a scam, Bitcoin's a fraud, Bitcoin's a uh, Ponzi scheme. It just goes on and on. They're always proven wrong. Bitcoin marches on. Every 10 minutes, a new block is minted, no matter what any of these people say. So there you go. Um, now, this is we're getting into some territory that I talked about yesterday. The OFAC and the banning or sanctioning of the uh, two Bitcoin addresses belonging to the two Iranian gentlemen that we are all still bitching about today. But... Um, there's um hold on for just one second i gotta unmute somebody so that i can read this this chain um i'm not going to say the gentleman's name but he's tweeting out 
that it's he's tweeting out a Guardian uh, the Guardian story. Uh, U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control, the OFAC, announced it was adding two Iranian residents to its uh, specially designated nationals list along with Bitcoin addresses, which is the very first time that a Bitcoin address has been associated with this type of thing. And we went over that yesterday, but this dude is retweeting it and saying, making Bitcoin illegal is as easy as this, period. As these bans continue to grow, it's a sign of entry into the black market phase. And... Okay, so I want to I want to stop and, and talk a little bit a little bit about um, asymmetric cryptography, the use of PGP, uh, private and public keys. I'm not going to get really far into it, but just to, to back up to the story a little bit, um, two addresses were included in the OFAC list of designated nationals. Uh, one belonging to one Iranian gentleman, the other one belonging to the other. Um, these are the the keys that they posted. The keys that they posted um, are Bitcoin wallet addresses, so I can send Bitcoin, you know, to those wallet addresses. Okay, and if they so now they're sanctioned, right? So they they oh my god the the you know the the OFAC knows the 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 numbers, so uh, Bitcoin is now broken according to this gentleman, and that they'll just you know it just continue to ban. What's really sad about this one is that this dude's got a PGP address in his uh, Twitter profile. He knows what I, I assume he knows what PGP is. Pretty good privacy and the creation of public, uh, private public key pairs. Um, so let's get into how this works a little bit for for especially for the people that that don't know. Um, when I generate a wallet, a Bitcoin wallet, I am using um, a certain amount of entropy. Like oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, like a, a screenplay from like a 1970s movie or something like that. And I, I, I give the wallet a whole bunch of this text and it uses all that text to generate entropy, which allows it to generate a private key that's pretty damn secure, which means that the chances of somebody else just guessing my key at random using you know computer hacking techniques uh, pretty slim. Like we're talking, we're we're talking, uh, finding the grain of the exact grain of sand that I own on a you know in the collective ten million beaches on the planet. That's how difficult it would be to to get the private key uh, once I've generated it. However, that private key is then used to generate public keys just like the keys that are on this OFAC newly, you know, the, this designated nationals list. Ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> that public key is not the only public key that I can generate off my private key. My private key is capable of generating near infinite amounts, if not com- fully infinite amounts of public keys. Not only that, I can generate an infinite amount of private keys that will in turn generate an infinite amount of public keys. The fact that these two addresses have been nailed by the OFAC as 
I, I, as in like, you know, as do not touch or whatever is completely freaking irrelevant. And anybody who tells you differently does not know what they are talking about. Okay, so here's the scenario. Let's say the government comes after me and I, I flee, but they've got, they've got the, the, you know, this one public address that I used. Well, they can't do anything with it. First of all, they can't get my money out of it. And they can't stop me from getting my money out of it in some other country. Okay? No, no government can. Right? So all I do is I use my private key. I generate a new address. I send those Bitcoin to the new address. And then for and, and, and then that would be it, but it's not it because there's because if I leave them in the new address too long, it's not going to take long for them to track down the new address. All they're going to have to do is use like chain analytics companies and or, or if they're really savvy, they don't have to do that. They just watch that, you know, watch that wallet, see where the, the coins move. But it's going to take time, right? It takes a little bit of time for them to be able to, um, you know, do anything. <clears throat> So I send the, co- the, new, the coins to a mixer service that essentially strips the history of where, what wallet it came from. Or, the, you know, if I send Bitcoin to a mixer, it basically strips away what, the information of where that coin came from. And if you, don't know where the, if you don't know where a coin came from, you have no hope of knowing where it goes. So I have my private key generate a third address and I send the mixed coins from the mixer service to the third address, and that effectively breaks the chain of custody that the United States government or any other government is following. So I I feel that this gentleman who's making this assertion that Bitcoin is illegal, will be made illegal, and it's going to be easy to do, I don't think he knows what he's talking about, which is sad because he has a PGP key in, public key in his bio. That doesn't really bode all that well for the what he thinks he understands. Uh, anyway, so uh, that's that. I'm I'm just, I'm not going to have any more of that nonsense. So <clears throat> anyway, um, Frederico Tenga at Frederico Tenga sends. Uh, this is one of the one of the potential innovations in Bitcoin that I am most excited about. And what he's linking to is a block stream. Uh, blockstream.com uh, announcement, <clears throat> and what they're saying is um, is the they're they're talking about this language called simplicity, and it start it was written yesterday by Russell O'Connor and Andrew Polstra. Simplicity, high assurance, smart contracting. Earlier this month, we released source code from the blockchain language simplicity. Or, or f- oh, sorry, I'm going to start that again. Earlier this month, we released source code for the blockchain language Simplicity. Simplicity is our answer to the problems faced when trying to code sophisticated smart contracts in blockchain environments. Prior to Simplicity, blockchain programming languages typically made trade-offs between expressiveness and reliability. Developers could either build a complex but unreliable smart contract or a very basic but reliable one. With Simplicity, Developers can finally design sophisticated smart contracts and be confident in their outcomes. Simplicity has been built to be compatible with Blockstream's Elements platform. That means developers building side chains or independent blockchains on Elements will soon be able to take advantage of the features enabled by Simplicity. 
As an implementation of Elements, the Liquid Network will also support Simplicity, opening up interesting applications for Liquid users such as trust-minimized escrow, vaults, and other more complex smart contracts. Yeah, this is this is cool. Um, <clears throat> Blockstream has released this code into the wild. It's you know it's it's out there and it's going to allow people to do some make some. I think some interesting, probably along with Liquid, some interesting custodial um, uh, products. Uh, so we'll have to we'll have to see where that where that actually ends up. But this, okay, now getting back into a little bit of the stupid. Tron announces one hundred million dollar blockchain gaming fund. Oh my god! Well, let's see what this is. This is uh, out of CryptoSumer. And if you're not following CryptoSumer, um, I just discovered CryptoSumer not too long ago um, at C-R-Y-P-T-O-S-U-M-E-R. Uh, some pretty good stuff uh, coming down coming down from them. But um, so from CryptoSumer uh, this morning writes, <clears throat> Decentralized Internet Protocol Tron announced its plans to launch a blockchain gaming fund dubbed Tron Arcade in a press release shared with Cointelegraph November 29th. Tron Arcade, which the company says is designed to empower developers, will see investments uh, totaling a a giant $100 million over the next three years. The move is another long-term commitment from Tron, which acquired file-sharing giant BitTorrent earlier this year. According to Tron CEO Justin Sun, the arcade will play a crucial role in the firm's expanding popularity. Quote, Tron strives to tackle existing issues faced by the gaming industry by leveraging the open, transparent, and immutability of blockchain technology, he commented in a press release. Continuing, Tron Arcade will play a crucial role in encouraging developers to join in our mission and provide the best blockchain gaming experience to users around the world. In line with what has become a common theme in its publicity, Tron highlights the attributes of its network, such as transaction speed versus those of Ethereum. Sun himself continued the PR drive prior to the company's announcement, taking to social media this week in an attempt to woo Ethereum developers over to his platform as prices tanked. And I'm looking at the tweet that Justin Sun, at Justin Sun Tron, in bear market, Ethereum developers should migrate your token to Tron immediately. One, zero transaction fee, no gas in Tron. Two, compatible with with Ethereum, zero migration cost. Three, 2,000 transactions per second. Four, Tron DEX listing. You can easily increase your token value 100% with high liquidity. Oh man, that just reads like somebody who just wants your Bitcoin, doesn't it? Wow. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Tron's going to, I don't even, see what sucks about this entire thing though, is there's not a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of, um, oh, there's no description of what they're going to do. I mean, tackle existing issues faced by the gaming industry i mean and is it video gaming is it gambling is it horse racing is it boxing is it i don't know freaking baseball what the hell is justin sun even talking about 
So, I mean, I can only assume that it's video games, but even knowing, even if that's the truth, and it probably is, what the hell are they going to do? Encourage developers to join our mission and provide the best blockchain gaming experience is just a bag of buzzwords, man. It's just, it's, there's nothing here. This, this, there's, there's nothing here. It's, it's just for God. Oh, anyway, I want to thank, uh, Crypto Sumer for bringing uh, bringing that story to me, and I think if I'm not mistaken, we got another Crypto Sumer uh, story. Coinbase DCG lead 4.5 million dollar seed round for crypto evaluation startup. Uh, this is also by Crypto Sumer. Oh wow, yeah. Um, Flipside Crypto wants investors to think beyond market capitalization, and Coinbase apparently agrees. <sighs> Revealed exclusively to Coindesk, uh, the exchange's Coinbase Ventures arm. Oh, this is by, I'm sorry, this is by Coin, uh, Coindesk, not CryptoSumer. Um, the Coin, exchange's Coinbase Ventures arm and digital currency group uh, co-led the analytics startup extended seed round that closed on November 21st alongside True Ventures and Castle Island Ventures. Although the size of Coinbase's investment was not disclosed and the company declined to comment on the move, all told Flipside has raised $4.5 million. Uh, so they track network activity and developer contributions to GitHub projects. And I, I think, you know, basically what this is, is, is like, there's two things here. Um, the company itself is like an analyst company that looks at, you know, it would basically be able to generate a report to somebody who says, Hey, is this, is this new ICO or is this new, um, secure, or is this new token company or, or is this new shit coin worth anything? And they'll dive in and say, hey, you know, look at the, the develop, the developers and what they're contributing. And, um, you know, basically, kind of do an audit of what they, you know, and then generate a report of what they think the coin, you know, not might be worth, but whether or not the project has any feet is essentially what this is. And while on the, on the surface, that seems kind of, kind of dumb because um, I'm not sure how much longer ICOs are going to have legs. Uh, But I'm at, but this kind of signals that I may be wrong. I mean, generally speaking, people don't do this kind of thing unless they have a really good feeling that they're going to be able to utilize, you know, make money from it off into the future. So these guys apparently are bullish on the fact that there's going to be projects of this type coming up all over the place and they're going to be in a position where they can take money for analyzing uh analyzing what's going on and telling people for money whether or not they should I don't know dive in or whatnot so in a way it, it kind of signals that uh, cryptocurrency marches on despite despite the bear market uh, nobody's going to throw 4.5 million dollars down a, a black hole not unless they you know just well well actually I, I take that back we do have Roger Ver and Calvin Air and and uh Craig Wright all throwing their money down a black hole, but that's that's a story for another day. Um, and the last thing that I want to talk about is this thing that I ran across from Stock Trader um, at Stock Trader. Christopher Wheeler um, posted a Quora.com article that by uh, Nicholas Geck. I don't know how to pronounce his name. 
uh, at N-I-K-L-A-S-G-O-E-K-E. And I started reading it and it's, I'm going to read the whole thing, not to you. I mean, I'm going to read the whole thing, but I wanted to, to share this one part. Um, because the thing is, the name of it is how can I overcome the fear of failure? You know, I mean, think of all, all of us have probably dealt with that at one point or another. Um, I deal with it a lot more often than, than I think I should, but be that as it may, um, I want to read this, the very first part of this, because it's sort of like a tale of, it's a tale of two outcomes. A Zen master was given a beautifully crafted crystal cup. It was a gift from a former student. He was very grateful. Every day he enjoyed drinking out of his glass. He would show it to visitors and tell them about the kindness of his student. But every morning he held up, he held the cup up in his hands for a few seconds seconds and reminded himself quote this glass is already broken end quote one day a clumsy visitor toppled the glass on its shelf the cup fell down when it hit the floor it was smashed into thousands of tiny pieces the other visitors gasped in shock but the zen master remained calm looking at the mess in front of his feet he said ah yes let's begin he picked up a broom and started sweeping Adam Germansky was a multimillionaire real estate developer in the United States in the 1920s. He also invested heavily into the stock market. But on October 24, 1929, the world's first global financial crisis hit, and he lost everything. On that same day, Abraham Germansky disappeared. The last time he was seen, he was tearing a strip of ticker tape into pieces. Then he was gone. Jermansky was found two weeks later in a sanitarium. He'd gone insane. I think those the juxtaposition of those two stories is really interesting. Because one's like, whoop-de-doo. The other one goes insane. Now, clearly, one's simply a, you know, a broken glass, and the other one is like your, your entire life's work. But there's there's something here that we should, you know, probably remind ourselves of that, you know, failure is inevitable and it's the greatest teacher you'll ever have because success doesn't teach you shit. In fact, success probably sucks brain power out of you after you're, after you're successful, you're probably like, uh, well, and and then all all of a sudden start forgetting things. But when you fail, um, you look and examine everything, everything about why it failed you pick that thing apart and it can either drive you insane or will help you sweep the floor and get your shit clean. So that's going to be it for the morning roundup. Uh, let's get into Marty's bin. It's Marty's Bent for Thursday, November the 29th, 2018, issue number 369. Very important thread. And I'm not going to read this thread because it's it's huge. Uh, I'll, I'll read the let's, we'll read the first couple of them. But it's from Laurent M.T. Uh, at L-A-U-R-E-N-T-M as in Mary, T as in Tom. Okay. Um a few random thoughts about the recent announcement of Bitcoin addresses entering the OFAC list of sanctioned parties. 
An obvious question here is, what does it mean when we say nobody is permitted to engage in any transaction with one of these addresses? First answer, you shouldn't accept a transaction sending bitcoins to you if some of the UTXOs spent by this transaction are related to one of these addresses. Okay. Uh, Laurent MT, uh, go read this thread. I'll... uh, do my best to get it into my curated Twitter feed. Uh, better yet, just go read Marty's Bent. Uh, go subscribe. Uh, Marty's Bent is one of my favorite things in the world. I asked him permission to to read uh, his newsletter like God when I I think when I first started this podcast because if you you know a lot of people don't have time to read, so that's why I read to you stuff that is going on on the day. Um, so go read uh, Marty, go over to uh, at Marty Bentz and you'll be able to uh, on Twitter and you'll be in his profile. You'll be able to get to uh, where you can subscribe to to Marty's Bent. Anyway, um, so this uh, and Lauren MT goes on for a while. And it, <clears throat> Marty uh, will Marty's bent on this is that in case some of you freaks haven't heard yet yesterday, the market became aware that. OFAC, the Office of Foreign Asset Control, had sanctioned two Bitcoin addresses belonging to two Iranian men who have launched ransomware attacks for the last five years. First off, shake my head at these two dudes who used the same two addresses for five years as they were extorting people. Learn how to OPSEC, bros. Second, this sanction should be an interesting case study in the ability of regulators to actually regulate Bitcoin. I have a feeling their actions will be in vain, and our good friend Laurent explains why in the above thread. The problem that is going to naturally arise for chain analysis companies and the regulators they obediently serve is that they that their tracking techniques are completely heuristic-based, meaning they will never have 100% certainty that their assumptions are correct. Even if their tracking efforts are successful and they have correctly targeted an address, actually enforcing a sanction is going to be very tricky, especially due to the way in which certain Bitcoin transactions can be structured. As Laurent points out in his hypothetical scenario with Alice, Bob, and Eve, with P2 with P2EP transactions, a nefarious actor can send the transaction in such a way that it looks like someone else is interacting with the sanctioned address. On top of this, since Bitcoin is a push system, there is really no way to stop people from sending BTC to these blacklisted addresses. At the end of the day, these efforts from regulators may ultimately be wild goose chases that lead nowhere as software like Wasabi and Samurai's Stonewall continue to pl- proliferate. Using coin joins to completely destroy the heuristics used by regulators and their lapdogs, who can be found at companies like Chainalysis. Boy, that's not, ain't that the truth. Uh, I believe the market <clears throat> will demand these type of mixing services from wa- wallet providers as Wasabi and Samurai grow in popularity and as regulators continue to, cra- to try to crack down. We'll keep following this story here at the bit as it progresses. Final thought, life don't last that long. Yeah, you're right about that. So this goes back to exactly what I was saying about, you know, they, they've got these addresses. So whoop de do. I mean, and, and, you know, Marty points out something that I should have pointed out the fact, well, I didn't realize that they were using the exact same addresses for five years. 
it seemed clear that they had been using them for more than one transaction, which you should never do, not when you're receiving Bitcoin. Every time, every time you receive Bitcoin, you should generate a new public key and, se- and send it to the person who's sending you Bitcoin. Or like if you're accepting donations on, you know, I don't know, like on your Twitter feed or your Twitter account or your donations on uh, your website, you should change you should change the wallet every single day. Uh, and I mean, if it's, it's a pain in the ass and it would be nice if you could if there was something that would automatically do that for you. Hey, that that would be a good idea. That would be a really good project. Something that were like, you know, every hour or every time that you got a donation to like a WordPress page with a, uh, with the BitPay plugin, um, that that plugin would gen- say would discard that uh, public key and generate a brand new one. But you'd have, they'd have to have private. That's yeah. Anyway, in, in either event, always use fresh wallet addresses when you're going to send or receive. There's, you know, there's, or especially receiving, there's no reason to use the same wallet, especially the same wallet for five damn years. That's just, my God, that is terrible operational security. Um, All right, so that was Marty's Bent. I want to thank Marty Bent for allowing me to read Marty's Bent. And you can find Marty Bent at Marty Bent on Twitter, and I highly recommend you follow him. Um, I also recommend that you go to at TFTC21 and start listening to the podcast. I also want to highly recommend Guy Swan, uh, uh, Crypto Economy podcast. He's in the middle middle of reading the iterative capital uh, report on what Bitcoin is, and it's fascinating. Uh, at Crypto Economy, make sure you go over there, subscribe, and get into uh, listening to his stuff because. Uh, He's one of the people that that is inspiring me to do this. And at one point or another, I may actually be as good as he is. Who knows? Anyway, let's get into vital statistics. All right, vital statistics for today. Bitcoin is at an average of $4,314 with a high of... Hit BTC has got it at 4,317 and it's low is going to be cracking at 4,257 spread. still fairly tight. Not, not like it used to be uh, network looks healthy, man. Uh, yet again, quarter million Bitcoins have been sent in the last 24 hours, which is normal. 10,000 Bitcoins per hour, which is about normal. Um, last, uh, yeah, one, uh, 1.2, million Bitcoin have been sent over the last 24 hours uh, for a total of $4.5 billion traded in 24 hours. Um, Let's see here. Average transaction value is 5.6 Bitcoin and the median transaction value is back where it should be at 0.59 BTC or the, the holding average since I've been doing this is about 200 to $250. So the median transaction value is sitting at $254.84. Block time is high, which we knew was coming. Um, 15 minutes and 49 seconds, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, that is impressive. Impressive insofar as how slow it's going right now. Uh, blocks over the last 24 hours is 91. Uh, and it's only creating an average of four blocks per hour, which is well below six blocks per hour. Wow, man. Uh, the reward over the last 24 hours. Oh, their uh, miners are getting about a half a Bitcoin in fees right now per block. 
rewards over the last 24 hours. Only 1,138 Bitcoin have been generated and 40 Bitcoins have been taken in fees. The hash rate has indeed fallen by a huge gap or a huge uh, percentage, 15% down. And we are below 40 exahashes per second for the first time since I've been doing this show. That is amazing. Wow. But never fear, guys, because the system is designed. This is how the system is designed. This is this was baked into the code right as it was released because as this goes down, uh, the remaining miners, if the, all they have to really do is kind of wait it out, and then the difficulty will auto-adjust, and that uh, instead of block times being 15 minutes and you know damn near 16 minutes, it will stabilize back at 10 minutes. That's the way this is designed. This, this is a feature, not a bug. Um, it's always kind of sad to see that much of a drop in hash rate, but we're in a bear market. What do you expect, man? Some of these guys are going to have to shut their miners off, you know, and save on electricity while they figure out what to, you know, what to do. Um, yeah, who knows where this market's going anyway? So, you know, that said, across the board, I got bit, uh, Bcash at 199 Litecoin at 34 Ethereum Classic at $4.89. Bitcoin gold at about 18.9. Dogecoin is holding at 0.0022 USD. Uh, Dogecoin is walking all over Bcash as usual in transactions over the last 24 hours with 27,000 versus Bcash's 14,000. Nobody's using this chain. Okay, so that's it. That's going to be it for the vitals for today. Today's Daily Train Wrecked is brought to you by Dan Larimer. No, actually, it's brought to you by Whale Panda, at Whale Panda. If you're not following Whale Panda, do yourself a favor and follow Whale Panda. Um, He says, Dan Larimer is already working on his next project, which sounds like Bitcoin, but I bet he needs a lot of funding for it first. This comes out the day after Steam announced it fired 70% of its employees. Scammer's gonna scam. Yeah, okay, for those of y'all that don't know, uh, uh, I, I talked about this yesterday. Uh, Steam it laid off 70% of its, of its workforce. And they did that, you know, the Steam it is an American company. Their headquarters are on the East Coast somewhere, I think in Virginia or something like that. So chances are good the bulk of the people that got fired are getting fired before Christmas in the United States. Um, and it also happens to be the worst time in the world to be out of work, not because it's Christmas, that's part of it, but because nobody's hiring during during the you know in the last quarter of fiscal nobody does that you don't hire people in the last quarter of fiscal because you're not really exactly sure what your budget for next year is going to look like so generally speaking there's 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 essentially essentially there's a hiring freeze across the united states uh starting right around uh, right after uh essentially right after uh, uh halloween there's just man, there's not a whole lot of posts going up. There's not a whole lot of interviews being taken. It's a rough time. And Dan's company, Steam It, just let go 70% of, of their people right before Christmas. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, also, Whale, Whale Panda is link, <clears throat> linking, or uh, as a screenshot, 
of Daniel Larimer, a conversation that, or he's not having a conversation. He's saying some things. Uh, I can't remember. Don't know where it's coming from, but it's Daniel Larimer. And he says, I will say it again. I'm not leaving EOSIO or B1. In the process of working on EOSIO security and scalability, I stumbled upon a new set of trade-offs for a potential crypto token, and I have merely been exploring whether there is a market for those trade-offs. EOSIO is the future of blockchain, and each day our team at Block One is making it faster, more secure, more scalable, and more flexible. This hypothetical token would be immutable, non-programmable, and limited to a currency role it would in no way compromise the much larger use cases for EOSIO applications. Yeah, this is going to be, I think, exit scam number six for Dan. Um, uh, you know, uh, he exited out of Steam. He's He, he started EOS. He's, I, if I remember right, I need to check this out. Hold on for just a second. Okay, I was wrong. Um, for some reason or another, I was thinking that that Dan Larimer had something to do with Brave Browser, which is actually my my go to browser now. Um, I really like it. Um, I'm not a big fan of the of you know the whole bat token thing, but um, the idea uh, of the Brave Browser was kind of cool. They should ju- they should just use Bitcoin or the Lightning Network. I'm, I'm seriously, guys. Um, anyway. I thought he had something to do with Brave Browser. He doesn't. That was Brendan Ike of Mozilla Mozilla fame. Um, so he's not involved in, in, thank God, in in one of my favorite browsers. But he's basically uh, exit scammed out of everything that he's ever done. <clears throat> and he'll tell you he'll tell you different. But no, man, dude, I'd stay away from any project that Dan Larimer had anything to do with. Uh, that's not investment advice, people. That's just common freaking sense. Uh, Okay, so yeah, that's the daily train wreck for the day. Today's Terrible Joke Corner is brought to you by, uh, who the hell knows, man, because they blanked out all the the website I got it from, blanked out all the name, and, and I can't properly attribute this to anybody. So here it goes. General Tso's Chicken from Asian King, $7. Drink. $1. Getting home and realizing Asian King forgot to give you one of your containers? Riceless. I'm just going to let that one die right there. All right, duders and dudettes, boys and girls, I'm out. I'm going to go get this to the to my upload site and go on about my day. Uh, Don't worry too much about markets. Failure is an option because it's the only option that actually teaches you how to do anything. Uh, Don't use wallet addresses more than once. Uh, You can generate a million billion addresses. You'll, you can add, you can generate more public, uh, you know, keys to people that can send you Bitcoin to than than you have days on this earth or atoms in your body okay you'll never run out of them so so do that don't use the same damn wallet address every single time that's that's just that's ludicrous okay private keys can just make as many public keys as you could possibly ever imagine stay away from dan larimer projects Uh, i doubt seriously that any of them are going to end well they haven't 
so far. Anyway, so with that, I'll let you go and I will see you guys on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.